to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And today is CPI Day once again. And we're entitling the CPI report, A Sticky Situation. So the backdrop coming into today uh, was that, you know, the inflation market has come way down over the last uh, six weeks, eight weeks, and, and expectations for for this inflation number number were were pretty low, and that's mainly because energy prices had have come off the boil quite a bit. Gasoline is a, a buck off the highs, jet fuels down, all the all the different energy distillates are all down, um, and so the the consensus going into this number was for only 0.2% month on month for the headline and 0.5 on the core. And and as I sort of started to look at the number and figure out where I kind of fell in in that consensus, you know, my initial reaction was oh there there are a lot of risks to the downside here. Uh, but and I'll, I'll get to those in a second, but but the last but then I said, you know, the last three core prints were 0. 0.57, 0. 0.63, and 0. 0.71. So that downside, a lot of those downside things are probably priced in. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't necessarily, you know, short at 0.5% on the core. Some of those risks um, were, well, but, you know, they actually delivered. So I'll talk about what actually happened because we actually got a lower, lower numbers than that. We actually got overall flat headline, actually down 0.02% month on month, uh, bringing the year on year down to eight and a half, and core was 0.3, 0.31, bringing the year on year down to, well, keeping it at 5.9. It had been expected to rise because of easy comps. Um, and and so the story ends up being, though, when we look at this, that all the good news is sort of on the flexible side and or the transitory side, if you will, the the thing, the supply chain side, all that stuff ended up being sort of the good news in the report. And all the sticky, slow stuff is still bad news. Um, so we got this core print 0.31%, and which was the lowest core in about a year. Uh, almost a year. So great number, lower than expected, much lower than last month, which was 0.71. So it's, you know, half of that. But median inflation, which I calculate on the fly, was 0.53, which again, lower than last month, but that's still running at about a 6.5% annualized rate if you annualize that. Um, and, you know, about the same as we'd had for median in April and, and Feb, and, and really the average for the last 12 months. So nothing really unusual in median. So median, again, measures the, cent the center of the distribution. Okay, 50% of the weight is less than 0.53% than this month, and half the distribution is above it. And, and so it doesn't move when very much when things at the ends move. It doesn't matter if the thing which went down the most that month went down 4% or went down 40%. It doesn't affect the median. 
What affects the median is when everything starts going up or everything starts going down a little bit. So the center of the distribution shifts a little bit. And we didn't, we, we didn't see that. And so the first reaction here is, hmm, there's got to be some outliers here. That's what, that is what is bringing down core inflation. Because if core inflation had gone down, let's give a counterexample. If core inflation had fallen because all of a sudden rent growth fell off a cliff, you know, everyone is worried that housing prices are going to fall and rents are going to collapse uh, because they're, they're so hot. And if, if all of a sudden they did, then median inflation would shift because rents are a big, chunky part and you can't move rents a lot lower without moving the whole distribution down. And so if core and median were telling the same story, if they were seeing in the same tune, I'd say, okay, well, that's a real signal. But so we got this initial, you know, really 10 seconds into the number, we sort of knew that there was something a little, uh, uh, a little hinky about this. Um, rents, as it turned out, primary rents were up 0.7% on the month, which was lower than last month, uh, but is still, you know, 6.3% year on year. That's still an acceleration. Uh, owner's equivalent rent was 0.63. Again, that's down a little bit from last month, but still really hot, 5.8% year on year. Um, Energy, as we knew, was was down a lot and and you know pressured the headline number. Interestingly, food, the other part of the non-core stuff, food and energy, food was up 1.1% month on month. So, all right. So, what did go down? What was other than energy? What was it that fell? What pushed down core, which is an average, a weighted average, but not the median? Well, airline fares. Uh, fell 7.8%. Now, this was one of the things I thought was going to be a risk because airline fares are, are pretty efficient uh, pretty efficient at passing through uh, jet fuel. And so they're really sort of energy services in a way, but that's not the way they're scored. And so um, uh, when you, because we knew that jet fuel was off a lot, um, even though, you know, anecdotally, it didn't seem to me that fares were going down a whole lot. And, and, and by the way, seasonally, they tend to fall a little bit in July anyway, so we didn't really know if they'd fall enough to get the seasonal adjustment, uh, to overcome the seasonal adjustment factor. Um, they fell actually 7.8%, 9.3, I think, before seasonal adjustment, and then 7.8%. So that's a, big, that's a big downward adjustment. We had lodging away from home. We used to call these things COVID categories or reopening categories, but lodging away from home was down 2.7%. It had been down more than 2% last month, too. Used cars uh, was down 0.4% month on month. And now we'd, we'd sort of identified that as a risk because if you look at the private surveys of used, used vehicle prices, most notably the Black Book Index, uh, the Black Book is down about 2% over the first six months of this year, whereas CPI was up 3%, CPI for used cars. So it looked like we were due for a little bit of an adjustment, and we got that. Uh, and apparel was down 0.1% month on month. Other furniture down 4.3%. Other linens down one8 Major appliances down one8 All of those are month-on-month figures. And what do they all have in common? Um you know, airlines, uh, lodging away from home, but even more, used cars, apparel, furniture, linens, major appliances. Well, those are all 
flexible things. They're all they're all things that we would put them in flexible CPI um, because they are things that are are supply chain constrained. And so remember at the beginning of this inflationary debacle, the story was you know, backups at the port. And so we have this inflation, but it's all coming from this, con- this these supply chains. And as the supply chain constraints lessen, then inflation will go down. Uh, and these categories are exactly what you would have identified when you start to see that pain lessening. You would expect to see these things decelerate and, and, and even decline a little bit. Uh, they're not going to decline back to the old levels because the overall price level is higher, but but it's not surprising as you loosen up a little bit some of those supply chains as as uh, intermodal freight goes down, as freight um, you know, Asia freight goes down, um, as they have, you would expect those that inflation to get dampened as well and to show up in these sorts of things. You know, we don't we don't make very much apparel or you know or linen domestically; it all gets imported. Um, appliances, a lot of those things come from overseas. Um, Used cars is is domestic, but the whole uh, auto supply chain and parts and things like that uh, is is an international supply chain, and so and so that's good news, you know, and that's news that we knew we would eventually get, you know, those are that's core goods, the core goods side of things was what had spiked to ridiculous levels early on in the crisis. Um, that was the big story with you know used cars going through the roof, and everyone said, "Don't worry about that; it will come down." And indeed, it has. Core commodities, which had been up at like twelve or thirteen percent at one point year on year, is now only up seven percent. Uh, but here's the problem: that's just part of the overall consumption basket. We don't import lots of these other things. We don't import rent. Um, and uh, we don't import medical care, and so those other two parts. So I always look at when I when I when I put out on on Twitter and and uh, and on our summary, I'll I'll put out a four pieces charts, four pieces where each of these pieces is roughly a quarter of the CPI, and one of them's food and energy, which jumps around a bunch. Uh, the next one is core commodities, core goods which is also fairly flexible. And then you get into the less flexible categories of core services, less rent of shelter, and then rent of shelter itself. And here's the problem. Those last two bits, um, they're still going up. And um, so, you know, the sticky stuff is still sticky. And so if you look at this number and, and you want to take a victory lap because, you know, month on month is only 0.3 on core, by the way, we used to think you know point three was a cause for alarm, <laughs> and now point three is a total victory. But if you want to look at that and say, "Oh, look, three point six is what we're running at on core," you know, I got news for you because that's just you know that's the stuff that is is the the flexible stuff. All the sticky stuff is still uh, hanging in there, and and rents don't look like they're going to decelerate anytime really soon. Now, the market reaction to this, as it should have been, was, uh, was exuberant. Uh, stocks went up, went straight up. They really haven't gone up much since they, the initial spike, but, but they went up. Um, bonds went up uh, drastically, although they've retraced all of it since then. Um, and, and, and that makes some sense because 
you would see this number and you would say, well, for the next, we were really worried about this next Fed meeting in September. We were concerned that it might be 75 basis points uh, rate hike instead of 50. And the market had started to price that after the employment report that we were, we had a hot employment report. And so, oh, the Fed's going to do 75. And this number today, the inflation number clearly reduces the chances of a 75 basis point hike. The more I think about it, the more I'm not sure it reduces it as much as we think it does, um, though, because the sticky part is is still sticky. And, and what that means is, okay, this number was low, but we do know that core over the next couple of months, year on year, is still going to rise because of good comps. And, and then after that, maybe it starts to ebb. And so at some point, it's going to get more difficult, more challenging for the Fed to sell the story of aggressive rate hikes. At some point, the unemployment rate is going to go back up. It's going to start to go up because we are heading towards a recession. And and at some point, inflation numbers are, are going to really recede. Even the sticky parts are going to go down from six and a half or whatever and gradually go down to six and five and a half. And when that starts to happen, it's going to be much harder for the Fed to be piling on 50 basis points, 75 basis points. So there's at least some argument that that if the Fed was considering 75, they ought to go ahead and do 75 anyway. But there's no question that today's number makes that less likely. But the fact that the sticky is still sticky, the fact that median is still up at 0.53% and the year-on-year median number is still going up, it's about 6.3 now, um, and it's a slower-moving indicator, the fact that it is still going up um, says that upward pressures have not on inflation haven't started to go down yet. At best, at best, maybe they've leveled off, but they've leveled off in this six to seven percent range, and that's not good. Um, and so, what that says is that the terminal Fed funds rate, the terminal inflation rate, is because it's the sticky stuff that's moving. Those terminal rates are going to be higher than we otherwise had had expected or certainly what was priced into the market. Um, and so I'm not necessarily sure that this is really great news for for stocks and bonds. And and uh, I again, bonds have gone back to to more or less unchanged on the day. Stocks still haven't figured that out, but the equity people are always a little bit slower than the bond people, so that's not terribly shocking. Um, and it is summertime. Um, so that's... Um, that's, I guess, the, 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 the upshot here is we, what we have is a sticky situation. And as long as it's the sticky stuff, which is staying higher, the fact that we are having, we're relaxing some of the pressure at the ports, we're relaxing some of those supply chain constraints, it's great news. I mean, everybody likes, you know, cheaper apparel, but it, it, it doesn't really change the real the real important part of the story, which is that the things which have pushed prices higher are still pushing prices higher. There's still way too much money in the system, and that's still working its way through. We're not there yet, and it's not going to come back down. My my forecast, uh, enduring investments forecast for median inflation uh, for all of 2022, we've just revised it up to be, you know, in the mid-sixes, um, and in the low fives for 2023. So even when inflation comes down, it's not going to come down as far as everybody thinks it's going to come down. 
And the reason we feel confident about that is because what's, what has brought us here and what is keeping us here is the sticky part of CPI. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. And if that, as that starts to change, then, you know, my opinion is going to change about inflation. But at least so far, we haven't yet uh, seen any real strong evidence that, that the top is in in terms of uh, uh, inflation pressures, maybe leveling off. So that's all for today's podcast, and I appreciate you tuning in. You can contact me uh, by emailing inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com. Follow the blog, the blog at um, it's in um, inflationguy.blog or mikeashen.wordpress.com, same thing. Um, you can follow me at, on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. And download the mobile app, visit Enduring Investments, and defend your money. If inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy.